Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land on which this work was developed and is presented. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Community Library, a podcast, book club and discussion space. I'm your host, Angowry Rice. Welcome to May! Uh, It's actually my dad's birthday today, so happy birthday to him. Is it just me or did April go so quickly? I don't know, maybe some people have felt like April has been such a slog, but I feel like it went so quickly. I actually read so much in April um, because I've just been stuck inside doing nothing else. Originally, my Goodreads goal for this year was 75. And you know how Goodreads like tells you if you're a few books ahead or a few books behind? Right now, I am 13 books ahead of schedule. So I guess that's one good thing about being stuck inside. I hope you guys had a good reading month. From what I can gather on the internet, I feel like some people are either like reading lots and lots more or some people are actually really struggling to read. So either way, I hope you're doing okay and staying safe and all of that jazz. Now, on this podcast, every month has a different theme, and all of the episodes within that month pertain to that particular theme. Last month, our theme was fantasy, which was really fun. We talked about Percy Jackson and the Sea of Monsters. And this month, the theme is fiction in translation. So this month, I will be talking all about translated works of fiction, and our discussion pick is, of course, a translated novel. The discussion pick for this month is an absolute classic when it comes to translated fiction, and that is 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And I will be discussing this book with my dear friend and former guest of the podcast, Kalia. If you remember, Kalia and I discussed Watch Us Rise by Renee Watson and Ellen Hagen way back in season one, and we had the best time, and I am so excited to have her back. And I hope you guys are excited for the episode too. Today I wanted to talk about my relationship with translated fiction and some of the translated works that I've read. And so to begin planning for this episode, I went through all of my Goodreads shelves and I wrote down every single book I've read that has been translated from another language into English. And to my dismay, I have only read 14 translated books. I've read one short story by Clarice Lispector, which was translated from Portuguese. I've read one book translated from Swedish and one translated from Dutch. I've read two books translated from Japanese, one of which, Norwegian Wood, I talked about on the podcast. I will link that episode in the show notes if you're interested. I've read four books translated from German and one translated from Swiss German. Again, one of these books is The Neverending Story, which was the very first discussion pick for the podcast, Uh, so that episode will also be linked. And finally, I've read four books translated from French. One of these is The Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, which I also discussed on the podcast, Um, so that will also be linked, of course. This selection of translated works that I've read is not very big or diverse. Um, Most of the books that I've read that have been translated are very popular young adult books or children's books like the Inkart trilogy by Cornelia Funke and the Neverending Story by Michael Ende. A lot of these books are also internationally famous. So books like The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank and The Little Prince and Heidi by Johanna Spiri. So in the grand scheme of things, 
I haven't read that much translated fiction at all, but a lot of the translated fiction I have read, I have really, really loved. So I'd like to recommend two in particular to you today. I want to talk about Inkart by Cornelia Funke first, and this is actually a trilogy of books, Inkart, Inkspell, and Ink Death. This series was originally written in German and translated by Anthea Bell into English. I read these books for the first time when I was about 10 or 11, and I was living in Germany at the time. At that time, I was almost fluent in German, but I still really liked reading things in English because, you know, I spoke German all day at school. And so it was kind of a relief for me to get home and to read something in English. But it's kind of strange to me that I read a German series in English while living in Germany and also when I could speak German. Anyway, (laughs) this series follows bookbinder Mo and his 12-year-old daughter Maggie. And Maggie discovers that when her father reads books aloud, he can bring things to life out of the books. And of course, this causes much drama. (laughs) Um, And they set off on this big fantasy adventure. And this book series is perfect for fans of The NeverEnding Story and Harry Potter. It's all about stories and imagination, and I think it's like just the best escapist fantasy fiction for bookworms. Um, I just finished rereading the series, and the last one, Ink Death, is definitely my favorite. So if you like the first one, I would highly encourage you to just keep going till the end, because the last one is brilliant. As the series goes on, more mature themes are tackled, things like grief and death. And the books also explore what it means to blur the lines between fiction and reality, like what is real and what is made of words. And that's something that I really love about this series. And again, something I loved about The NeverEnding Story as well. So if you're a big bookworm and you love books about books, then this series is for you. That was Inkart by Cornelia Funke, translated from German by Anthea Bell. Next, I want to recommend Claudine at School by Colette. Now, this book is also part of a series called the Claudine series, which was published in the early 1900s and is translated from French. Claudine at School follows um, Claudine at School. (laughs) The title is pretty self-explanatory. But when I picked this book up, I did not expect it to be racy or cheeky or feature female-female relationships, and yet it does all of those things. It's kind of a really unexpected, um, cheeky YA novel from early 1900s France. The character Claudine herself is very witty and charming and also quite mean, but like you still love her. She's basically an early 20th century French version of Blair Waldorf. (laughs) And Claudine is also very much queer, um, but of course that was not a term or an idea that was tolerated or accepted or used in the early 20th century. And so it's particularly interesting because I think Colette was able to get away with writing about lesbian relationships at that time because it was kind of seen as just like girls having harmless fun at their boarding school. And also because at that time, her husband, Willie, took all of the credit for her work. He literally published her books under his name. And so maybe because everyone thought that the books were written by a man, it was more accepted. 
Colette, the author, had a fascinating life, um, both professionally and personally. And it's understood that the Claudine series is semi-autobiographical. I've only read the first two in the series, um, but I would like to read the rest of them. They're just really cheeky and fun. I forget that it was written over a hundred years ago because it reads like The Princess Diaries by Meg Cabot or the Georgia Nicholson series by Louise Renison. That was Claudine at School by Colette, translated from French by Antonio White. Now, because I haven't... Oh my gosh, the rain, do you hear that? Wow, loud. Anyway, um, because I haven't read much translated fiction, I decided to ask some of my friends and family if they have any favorite translated fiction. So here's what they said. So I'm here with Calliope, who is my sister, and I asked her to pick a translated book that she read and loved and talk about it. So Calliope, what book have you chosen? I've chosen Ronya the Robber's Daughter by Astrid Lindgren, and it was translated from Swedish. So I chose this book because it was one of my favorites growing up. I read it when I was about eight for the first time, I think, and it was one of those books that I just read every night because I loved it so much. It's about a young girl who is, it's, it's based in a, a fantasy world and she lives in the forest with her family in a big castle and her dad is a robber and she just spends all day, every day, running around in the forest and the woods by herself. And so why did you love it so much? Because I just wanted to be her. She spent all day barefoot with her bag. She got her lunch outside of the day and just ran around by herself in the woods all day, swimming and just running and being awesome. <laughs> and she could and she could like climb things and she just survived and she was always like, you know, in perilous situations and she was just so cool. And so who would you recommend this book to? Young girls or boys, anyone, everyone. That was Ronja the Robber's Daughter by Astrid Lindgren, translated from Swedish by Patricia Crampton. I'm now here with my mum, Kate, and uh, she reads a lot of translated fiction, more than me at least, but I've asked her to talk about a few of her favourites today. Well, one of my favourite writers of all time is called Hans Fallada, and he was a German writer who lived in Berlin and wrote between the wars and during World War II, and he died very shortly afterwards. But his greatest work is called Alone in Berlin, or Jeder stirbt für sich allein. He, he wrote it in the months immediately following World War II about the experiences of ordinary Germans in Berlin during the period of the war. And it's one of my favourite novels because it's so excellently written, but also because he captures that incredibly tragic moment in history which we continue to be really interested in because it's so outrageous and led to so much so much death and so much destruction and misery and because it seems so unreasonable and outrageous that this ridiculous regime was in power and was able to unleash all of this destruction terrible havoc on the whole of Europe and the world I guess and his novel helps me to understand what that was like what it was genuinely like and I trust him because he was there and the other one that you wanted to talk about is Sweet Frances, right? Yes, yes, which was actually written at the same time, but by a French woman. She actually was in Paris when the Germans marched in. Well, she, she sort of escaped just before and escaped to the country and was in the countryside during the occupation. Once again, the reason I love it so much is because she had that direct experience and she put it into her fiction. When it comes to reading works in translation, 
what both Hans Valada and Irene Nemirovsky can offer is that direct experience. So writing in their own language of something they experienced in their own language in their own countries. To whom would you recommend these books? Who do you think should read them? Anyone who has, you know, watched Schindler's List or um, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas or The Book Thief, basically anyone who has ever read anything about that period of time, I would recommend these two books to them because there's been so much really, really successful literature written about that time by writers who weren't there. And it's very interesting to pick up the very, very striking differences about these two works as opposed to stuff that other writers write coming from the perspective of relative comfort that we have now. So that's who I really would recommend it for anyone who has an interest in that period of time to really find out what it's like. That was Alone in Berlin by Hans Fallader, translated from German by Michael Hoffman, and Sweet Frances by Irene Nemirovsky, translated from French by Sandra Smith. Hello, Angari. My name is Jeremy Rice. The first novel that I'd like to talk about is one that was written in Russian originally by um, Fyodor Dostoevsky. So he's most famous, I guess, really for Crime and Punishment. This novel, I think what's intriguing about it is that its title alone gets translated differently. Almost each time it's been published in English, it gets translated as Demons or The Devils or Possessed. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that English doesn't have the exact word for the title of this novel. It is about political dissidents in Russia in the 1870s, which might sound really boring or heavy, but it's very funny. It's a satire about, on the one hand, um, rich aristocratic people who have ideas but don't act on them, and poor people who have ideas but act on them without much success. When I first read it, it was in the early 90s in Australia, and at that time there was, um, I guess, an extreme political movement in Australia led by a politician who's still around called Pauline Hanson, and she, had a, she established a party called One Nation. It became apparent that around Australia there were these little pockets of angry people, mostly angry white men who wanted to change Australia or they felt they wanted to change it back to this sort of fantasy idea of what it had been when it was great. The novel Demons in large parts is about those type of people. So I was reading this book that was, you know, 120 years old and and set in Imperial Russia. And I was reading it thinking, wow, this could be about people in urban cities in Australia in the 1990s who are angry and want to change the world. Like a lot of Dostoevsky, like all his novels and a lot of Russian novels, it's quite long and it does depend a lot on the translation. So there's a particular translator of Russian literature called Constance Garnett. And as her name suggests, she lived quite a while ago. I I see here that she translated Demons in 1916. Her translations are actually really good. I mean, there's a little bit of old-fashioned English in them, but she's just a really good translator. And I discovered this because she translated Chekhov's plays. As a student, I was assisting on a production of a Chekhov play. We had lots of different translations, and we kept on going back to her translation in the early 1900s. Who should read it? Oh, look, I think people who enjoy a big story, because it is several hundred pages, and it's kind of epic. And I suppose... 
it helps if you've got not if you, you don't have to know anything about politics, but I guess you you it helps if you are interested in in ideas and people wanting to change things. Ah, the other one is a French novel, and it's in French. It's called Bonjour Tristesse, and I guess this says something about our relationship to the French language that I've never seen its title translated into English. Uh, the author's name is Françoise Sagan. She wrote the novel when she was a teenager. I think she was about 17 or maybe a bit older when she wrote it, and it's just basically about a teenage girl in France in the 1940s, 50s, um, growing up. The book takes place just over a few days when she goes away on holidays with her father, her father's young fiancé, and her father's ex-girlfriend is hanging around. Oh, gosh. And she's, she's watching it all. And that, I think, probably would appeal a lot to um, women of the same age as the title character, but I don't want to narrow it to a small number of people. You know, it's a book I would be happy to read again. I remember it's quite short, and in the English translation I read, pretty easy. Um, the title actually translates as Hello Sadness. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a French early 1950s version of an angst-ridden teenage girl. Can I mention one other book? Yes. It's actually more mentioning an author, and she's another French author, Marguerite Duras, D-U-R-A-S. And I wanted to mention her just because she was an extraordinary creative person who wrote novels. She also made films, and she made films of her novels. She's most famous for a film called Hiroshima Mon Amour. In film studies, we watched another film of hers called India Song. And then I discovered that she made the film based on a novel that she'd published called The Vice Consul. So I read that. And in terms of her novels, she's most famous for just a slim novella called The Lover, which is about a French-Vietnamese girl. I think it might have been banned in Australia when it was first published. It's considered a bit risque. I think it was published in the in the 1950s or 60s. I mean, in a way, she goes through multiple translations because she, she sort of translates her work between novels and films, screenplays and prose, and then other people come to her work and translate it into English. I think she also does some of her own translations as well. That was The Possessed by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated from Russian by Constance Garnett also sometimes translated as Demons or the Devils. Also, Bonjour Tristesse by Françoise Seguin, translated from French by Irene Ash. My dad also mentioned the French novelist, playwright and filmmaker Marguerite Duras. Hello, um, my name is Lawrence Vauxhall, and the stories that uh, I really like are the Moomin stories by Tove Janssen, I think I'm saying that name right, uh, who was a Swedish speaking Finnish illustrator, and uh, the books were originally published uh, in Swedish. The Moomin stories mainly revolve around the inhabitants of this place called Moomin Valley, specifically a family of Moomin, Moomin Papa, Moomin Mama, and Moomin Troll. Count how many times I say the word Moomin in this. It's a series of books, and each one typically revolves around Moomin Troll, the, uh, the child of Moomin Mama and Moomin Papa, going on adventures with his friends and neighbours in Moomin Valley. My two favourite characters are these two young creatures uh, called Thingamy and Bob, and they travel around with this big top hat that if you put fruit in it, 
uh, turns the fruit into jewels, and it's, it's wild. And they eat lots of cherries, and they spit the pips out of these trumpet-like noses that they have. And they used to make me laugh heaps. It's very bizarre to describe, but they're wonderful. Trust me on this. Uh, they're, they're, it's magical. Uh, I suppose, seeing as we're on and Gary's podcast, it's apt to refer to Harry Potter. Wow, Lawrence just really called me out there. The Moomin House... Um, is very much like the Weasleys. It's just sort of this ramshackle mishmash house filled with love and time and space for strangers. And no matter where they're from, very cozy. And, you know, you always have all kinds of strays wandering through. And um, as a child, I loved the books because they were exciting and they would make me laugh. And they were so interesting and out there. And uh, the Moomin family and the friends, a lot like my family and friends, but now when I look back on it, at uh, the stories, I see a, a family and a community living without harm to their environment. They live very much a low-impact lives, incredibly accepting of diversity. Without it's, the, the books are never preachy. It's not telling you, this is bad, this is good. The characters just exist, and this is what they're like. And that makes them, I think, very good role models. They take pleasure from simple things like, you know, lying in the grass watching clouds and um, or exploring a beach. Uh, or sailing or something like that in a little boat on the lake, which is very much how I was raised, uh, which makes sense because my mum was raised on these books uh, and it was her that introduced them to me. To that extent, I'd recommend them really to anyone, particularly adults with children. You know, you can read them and then you can get to know the characters and then give them to your kids and I, I think that it would instill in them such positive mes messages and really positive outlook and positive imagination because they're so full of hope and love. That was the Moomin series by Tove Jensen, translated from Swedish by David McDuff. Thank you to my sister, my mom, my dad, and my mate Lawrence, all for recommending some wonderful translated fiction. I also asked around on Twitter and Instagram for some recommendations. The community library has its own Instagram at the underscore community underscore library. And you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Angauri Rice. You guys had some great recommendations, and so I want to mention a few here. On Instagram, at Claire Fabian recommends 1Q24 by Haruki Murakami, and this is translated from Japanese. As I mentioned before, I read and discussed Norwegian Wood by Murakami on this podcast. I didn't really like Norwegian Wood, uh, but 1Q24 does sound fascinating, so maybe I'll give it a go. The story follows a woman who finds herself in a parallel universe, but everyone I've heard talk about this book has told me that it's wacky and weird, and it's also best to know as little as possible as going into it. So that's all I'm going to say about the plot for now. But of course, if you want to know more, it's on Goodreads. On Instagram, at In the Crayon recommends The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumas. This is a classic. It was first published in 1844 in French, and it's about a man who's been imprisoned on an island for a crime he didn't commit. And he escapes and he goes on this journey to enact revenge on the man who put him in jail. This one sounds really fun and exciting. I would really like to read it. And it's also had many film and television adaptations, both in French and in English. Also on Instagram, at Cami Serkin recommends 1001 Nights, also known as Arabian Nights. Now, this is a collection of Middle Eastern folk tales that were compiled in Arabic during the 8th to the 14th century, so a very, very, very long time ago. Because it happened such a long time ago, it's really hard to determine when exactly these tales were first recorded or which versions are the quote-unquote original versions of the stories and also which translations are closest to the original text, whichever one that may be. 
The core story, however, is about a king who imprisons his newest wife and vows to kill her in the morning. But every night she tells him a new story, so when the morning comes, the king wants to hear the next story. Thus, she survives another day. So within this larger story of the king and his wife, we get to hear the stories that the woman tells to the king. I would really like to read this one. I mean, you know, it's a big compilation of stories, so I feel like I might like go and buy myself a really nice bind up and just kind of pick and choose which tales I want to read. I've also heard of a graphic novel retelling of 1001 Nights, which looks really beautiful. Let me see if I can find it. Can't find it. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, it's a new graphic novel retelling of 1001 Nights or Arabian Nights. So if anyone knows what I'm talking about, please send me a message on Instagram or tweet me. I would love to know. Now some recommendations from Twitter. At Mr. Adolfo underscore recommends Signs Preceding the End of the World by Yuri Herrera. Now this is translated from Spanish and was the winner of the 2016 Best Translated Book Award for Fiction. And this is about a young woman who leaves Mexico and crosses the border to the US to search for her brother. This one looks absolutely incredible and one of my favorite booktubers, Books and Lala, has this on her TBR and has talked about it in some of her videos. So that one looks really interesting. Also from Twitter, at The Lady of Dreams recommends The Letter for the King by Tonka Dracht. This is a middle grade book translated from Dutch, and it's about a 16 year old boy who must secretly deliver a very important letter to the king. This one looks like it might be in a similar vein to Ronya the Robber's Daughter, so if you liked that, or if you're intrigued by that premise, then maybe give this one a go. It also looks like it's for a slightly older audience than Ronya the Robber's Daughter. So thank you so much for all of your great recommendations. There were so many awesome ones that I didn't have time to mention here. Next week, I'm going to be talking with my mum, Kate, about translation. She is bilingual in English and German, and she has also worked as a translator, so she knows a lot about this subject. I am super excited for that episode. My mum is so smart and has so many interesting things to say, so stay tuned. Just another reminder, our discussion pick for this month is 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. We'll be discussing that on the 24th of May, which is in three weeks time. So please read along um, so you can join in on the discussion. Finally, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, you can subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. You can also rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. You can follow the community library on Instagram at the underscore community underscore library and use the hashtag the community library on Instagram or Twitter. I also have a blog called angowrieslibrary.wordpress.com and there you can find full transcriptions of the episodes plus extra links and resources. The podcast artwork is designed by Ashley running you can look at more of her work at ashleyrunning.com or you can go to helio-press.com that stash the symbol once again thank you very much for listening and i will talk to you next week bye fyodor fyodor how do you say that pronunciation I think every single episode I Google how to pronounce someone's name. Theodore Dostoevsky. Oi. Fyodor Dostoevsky. Oh, I don't trust that.